Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Deuteronomy 22.11 says, Do not wear clothes of wool and linen woven together. So no blended fabrics. Leviticus 11.12 says, Anything living in the water that does not have scales and fins cannot be eaten. So you cannot eat shellfish. No crab meat, no shrimp, no lobster. Leviticus 19.27 says, Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Leviticus and Deuteronomy both consider adultery a crime to be punished. Leviticus 18.22 says, Men do not lie with or have relations with another man as you would a woman. So homosexual relations are forbidden. The Old Testament scripture is just filled with all sorts of rules and commands. The question is, are we supposed to live in obedience to those rules even today? Or have times changed? Is there a different understanding today? Maybe you've heard it said like this. We are New Testament Christians. The Old Testament no longer applies to us. Or maybe you've heard it said like this. Jesus is grace and love and acceptance. I like Jesus, but I don't like the Bible. I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe the Bible. I'll follow Jesus, but I'm not going to do everything that the Bible says. I'll trust in Jesus, but I I don't trust the Bible. It's just an ancient, an old ancient book. Or how about this? Have you heard Jesus is about love and grace? The Old Testament is about rules, rituals, and judgment. Well, what, what did Jesus say about that? Jesus is a confirmed and verified historical person. There's way too much evidence to try and deny that Jesus lived. The Christian's faith is built upon the belief that the resurrection of Jesus is very real. And the evidence of the resurrection proved that Jesus was more than a man. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus is Lord and Savior. So what was Jesus' thoughts about the Bible? Well, let's read about that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus speaking and teaching various different things. Matthew 5, verse 17 through 20 says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, 
And unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus lived, the Bible was the Old Testament. It was the writings of Moses, which is called the Torah. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It was also called the Law. And then there was the writing of the Prophets. So when Jesus said the Law and the Prophets, it was a reference to what we would call the Old Testament. Jesus was teaching some very revolutionary new thoughts beyond the ritual and more about the heart. But he wanted to make it clear that as he was teaching this, as he's out teaching these things that sound so revolutionary, he wants to make it perfectly clear that he is not dismissing the Old Testament. I have not come to abolish them. I've come to fulfill them. Well, what does that mean? My first question is this. If Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, why am I getting excited when Red Lobster has their endless shrimp special? I mean, when Red Lobster has endless shrimp, I'm there. Why am I getting excited about that if Jesus has not abolished the law? Because that's Old Testament law. If that law has not been abolished, am I, am I a lawbreaker? A am I guilty? I like shrimp. I like lobster. I shave my head. I trim my beard. Am I in trouble? Well, to answer that question, we have to understand what the law was and what it intended. Some of the law was civil laws. They were meant for the nation of Israel at that time. They were meant to establish organization and order. They gave instructions for daily living. Some of the law was ceremonial laws. They, they were meant for religious ceremonies and for rituals. They taught a method of approaching God in worship. They were very detailed and very symbolic. Some of the law was moral laws. They were meant to teach us the heart of God. They were based on the character of God. They teach a morality of good and evil, of right and wrong. But let's, let's be clear about this. When Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law, he came to fulfill all of it. He came to fulfill the civil laws. He came to fulfill the ceremonial laws. And he came to fulfill the, mor the moral law. But what does it mean to fulfill these laws? Does fulfilling them mean they no longer apply? Well, in some cases, yes, that's what it means. But it doesn't always mean that. The civil and ceremonial laws were meant for a specific time and place. They were meant for God's chosen nation. They were meant for Israel at that time, at that point in history. You see, Israel was the chosen nation from which the Messiah would come. Israel was the chosen nation from which the Christian faith would be born. But after Jesus, after Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, the civil and the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament were no longer necessary. The civil laws are no longer applied because through Jesus, God's people are no longer one distinct nation. Through Jesus, 
Christians come from every nation. The ceremonial laws are, are no longer in practice because those were meant to teach and lead to Jesus. And Jesus satisfied all the requirements necessary for us to worship God. Jesus satisfied all of those requirements that would make us, that would be required of us to worship God. Jesus fulfilled them. And the moral laws are fulfilled because our morality is not what saves us. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Jesus fulfilled our moral requirements. But remember, the moral law and the requirements come from the character of God. And God's, God's character does not change. Therefore, morality does not change. The moral laws are absolute and universal. They're meant, they're meant for everyone at all times. We're still meant to live according to the values that are of God. We don't live in obedience in order to earn our salvation. We know that's impossible. We know that's unnecessary. Because again, Jesus fulfilled our obedience for us. But we live in obedience because we are grateful to God. We, we live out those moral values because it's right. And because Jesus has the authority of our life. Remember, he is Lord. That's what it means to have Jesus as Lord. It means he has the authority. He's the one in charge. Actually, the New Testament reaffirms the morality of the Old Testament. In fact, when Jesus talked about some of that moral law of the Old Testament, not only did he talk about it, not only did he affirm it, he, he emphasizes it even more. Right after Jesus said, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, Jesus says some very shocking things about his view on some of those Old Testament laws. The Old Testament had a moral law against murder. But in the New Testament, Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 21 through 22, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. The Old Testament law had a moral law against adultery. In the New Testament, in Matthew 5, verse 27 through 28, Jesus says, You've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The Old Testament had a moral law about divorce. In the New Testament, Jesus says, It has been said, Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The Old Testament had a moral law about making and keeping your word. In the Old Testament, your promise was only guaranteed according to how you swore the oath. Did you swear it by the name of God? Did you swear it by heaven? Did you swear it by Jerusalem? How did you seal your promise? 
In the New Testament, in Matthew 5, verse 33 through 37, Jesus says this. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You see, Jesus gives all of these examples. He gives all of these examples, and he's making it very, very clear that he was not advocating that the morality of the Old Testament law be ignored. Jesus was not teaching that the Old Testament moral laws be ignored. Actually, he was suggesting that beyond just keeping the law, we should have pure hearts and pure intentions. The moral law of the Old Testament is about purity in our character, purity in our obedience, purity in our actions. The moral law of the Old Testament is affirmed and it is echoed within the New Testament. Cutting your hair and trimming your beard is not a character or purity issue. It's not a moral law. It's not affirmed in the New Testament. Eating shellfish is not a character or purity issue. It's not a moral law. It's not affirmed in the New Testament. Adultery, homosexual behavior, honesty, they are character issues. They are about purity. And they are affirmed in the New Testament as sinful. They are not of God. Tim Keller sums it up like this. He says, In short, the coming of Christ changed how we worship, but not how we live. The moral law outlines God's own character, his integrity, love, and faithfulness. And so everything the Old Testament says about loving our neighbor, caring for the poor, generosity with our possessions, social relationships, and commitment to our family is still in force. The New Testament continues to forbid killing or committing adultery, and all the sex ethics of the Old Testament is restated throughout the New Testament. If the New Testament has reaffirmed a commandment, then it is still in force for us today. Jesus did not change the moral instructions from God, and we shouldn't either. Those moral absolutes do not change based upon the culture's thought, and opinions. They don't change. They're meant for all time. Matthew 5, verse 18 through 20 says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. God's word does not change. Jesus said not even the smallest letter will disappear from it. It's very interesting to dig in and research on this 
because in the original Greek language, the word Jesus used for smallest letter was literally a reference to the smallest letter in the Hebrew language, a letter called a yod. Hebrew rabbis would teach this idea by telling a story. They would say that when Sarai's name was changed to Sarah in Genesis, that the Yod cried out protesting that it had been removed. And eventually the Yod was put back in when Moses renamed Hosea to Joshua in Numbers chapter 13. It's just a little story that the rabbis told to illustrate a point. But Jesus actually reinforces the truth. God's word doesn't change. His word is meant to change us. The religious teachers of that day taught that there were both light and heavy commands. Some of the commands of God were light, not of big consequence, a little simple to keep. Some of the commands of God were heavy. They were bigger, had more consequence. They were harder to keep. Some of God's commands were more important than others. The heavy ones were more important than the lighter ones. But Jesus told his followers, setting aside that even, even the least of these, Jesus said, even setting aside the lightest command will keep you least in the kingdom. But keeping and teaching these commands will make you great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, it doesn't matter if it's a heavy command or a light command. Jesus says we're meant to follow those. We're meant to obey. The NIV application commentary explains what Jesus said like this. It says the word play here warns his disciples how to conduct themselves with regard to the Old Testament as he now fulfills it. The entire Old Testament is the expression of God's will but it is to be obeyed and taught from the perspective of how Jesus fulfills it through his interpretation of its intent and meaning. A disciple's status in the kingdom of heaven accords with whether one trifles with the revealed will of God or one obeys and teaches it as truly the word of God. So here's what we come down to. Here's where we're at. The question is, what does the Bible mean to you? Is it special? Is it sacred? Is it honored? Does the Word of God have a place in your life? Does it teach you? Does it have authority? Do you know the words of the Bible, the message, the instructions, the commands? Do you consider how God's Word is trustworthy? Do you consider it to be trustworthy and true more than the opinions of our culture. In Matthew 5.20, Jesus said, Unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. In those days, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were considered to be those that were the closest to God. They were close to God because they knew the word of God. Jesus said, Your righteousness needs to surpass even what they know. The only way that that happens is when you go beyond just knowing. We need to let the Word of God change us. 
We need to let it lead our lives. When I sleep at night, occasionally, I hear the train going through town. Most of the time, I just sleep through it. But I like to hear it. I think I like to hear the train because when I was a kid and I spent the night at my grandparents' house, they lived near some railroad tracks, and I would hear those trains at night. So it kind of brings back those feelings, I think, for me. Once, my brother and I were staying at their house, my grandparents' house, while mom and dad were away, and, and we went outside to play. And we ended up going over to where the railroad tracks were, and we got this bright idea to follow the railroad tracks. So we started following the railroad tracks. And I don't know how far we went, but we went a long time following these tracks. And we kind of lost, lost our sense of time. Eventually, we, we made our way back. And as we got closer, I saw my dad coming down the tracks. And he was not happy. Where were you? Your grandmother is scared to death. When we got closer to the house, there was a police officer parked out front talking with my mom and my grandma. I knew we were in trouble, and I felt horrible that we had, had, had them scared. The Word of God is like the rails of that train track. They're meant to keep us on course. They guide the Christian life. Our love for God and His Holy Spirit within us, that powers the engine. But His Word keeps us moving in the right direction. Charles Spurgeon said this prayer. He said, Lord, make me of this thy kingdom a right loyal subject. And may I both do and teach according to thy word. Whether I am little or great on earth, make me great in obedience to thee. Will you pray with me? God, forgive us for trying to edit the Bible. Forgive us for trying to make it say what we want it to say. Forgive us for ignoring what it clearly says. Help us to consider the Bible special, sacred, to honor it, to live with the Bible as authority in our lives. God, if we have chosen to follow your Son, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, then we must also listen to the words of God, to your words in the Scripture. God, I pray that we uh, embrace that and we live that way. Thank you that we are not saved by our moral decisions being right with our values. Thank you that that's not what saves us because we all make mistakes. Thank you that we're saved by grace. But in gratitude for grace, may we live in obedience to your words. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. And if you'd like to leave a comment, please send an email to c.wordspodcast at gmail.com. May the Word of God be living and active in your life.